What are we going to do? We're going to yeah. talk about mm-hmm. heartbreak and public relations. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> here with Anjuli Dutta and Michaela Clements. Thanks so much for being here today, guys. Such an honor to have you in the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. (laughs) Great. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourselves? We're we're two writers. Um, We co-write together. We live in Berlin. Um, I, Anjali, am British and Michaela is Australian. Um, And we are about to publish our first novel called The View is Exhausting. Um, which is coming out in July. Why romance? Why is that the genre that you decided to write in? Um, romance, I guess it's it's kind of hard to, I think that was what we were sort of instinctively drawn to. Um, yeah, I think most of the time when we're deciding what to write, the main question is what would we actually want to be reading ourselves? And I think when we started writing this romance in particular, we were just kind of desperate for a really kind of like consuming and escapist love story I suppose oh everybody loves that (laughs) so it's so funny because yeah Michaela just taught um a workshop for the reader a romance workshop and the more she gave us to read you know little excerpts of the different phases of the romantic relationship the more I was like oh my god I need to read more romance it is just one of my favorite genres I think it's kind of interesting because like obviously I love pure romance novels um but I also really love basically any good novel that has a good romance in it it's just like a thrilling ride isn't it also like the fact I wanted to ask about the whole heartbreak element I mean I think in romance it's kind of like it's the classic second act ending right and in rom-coms especially I feel like in films you can really trace it right like you have this sort of like Mm-hmm. arc and then it's the problem of falling in love and then they fall in love and then something happens to sort of mess it up for a bit and you have to kind of split the couple up again and I often think I judge a romance based on how well they split the couple up <laughs> and like how convincingly they like yeah whether the reason makes sense or whether it's just something that you, you kind of want to walk in and like shake both the characters and be like there's no reason for you to break up like <laughs> it has to be convincing in that sense mm-hmm. and then yeah. of course you have something like this story where they're clearly not going to get back together. <laughs> like, and that, that is just the final, the ending point is heartbreak. Is this a big part of uh, the whole romance genre for you guys? I really like reading heartbreak and writing heartbreak. I think there's something very vulnerable and raw about it. And I feel like it also often, I feel like you can find out a lot about a character when they're heartbroken because I think it's not necessarily always the best side of someone that you see right like I think you're you're often getting in a real insight into honestly some of the worst parts of their personality like I think it's rare for anybody to bear up really gracefully under heartbreak like I think it does do kind of reduce you to some of the kind of rawest and most like anxious and you know worried components of yourself I think that's a great place to move on to the story actually What's the story today, Erin? Well, that's a really good question, actually, Sharon, because I don't know that we have a title for this story. Um, In the email, she titled it Eco-Wise. So let's go with that as the title. Um, It's by Rosemary Collins. 
And yeah, it's a really cute story. A little, maybe a little bit of heartbreak more than a little bit of romance uh-huh. and told in a very specific style, which I think is really interesting. And I am really interested to hear what you think of it. Uh, kind of as if it were a series of press releases. Axel Press Team celebrate hashtag EcoWise campaign. Beth Hardwick is delighted to announce the launch of her promotion idea for Axel Motors' latest model. Axel are celebrating the Axel Eco, which generates less than 100 grams of carbon per kilometer with the hashtag EcoWise campaign. The leading car manufacturer is urging its customers to share one environmentally friendly step they're taking. Whether it's cycling to work, buying a reusable coffee cup, or doing the laundry at a lower temperature, with the hashtag EcoWise to be in with the chance of winning a free Axel Eco. Kara O'Neill, Axel's public relations executive, bought everyone drinks at the bar that used to be a boxing gym. She said, Really nice work, Beth. Good for you for putting it forward. All the green leaves on the banners and stuff look lush. I told Brian it was the new recruit's idea and he was really impressed. You've got to have a cocktail. They do this amazing mix called a Juice Forsyth. Beth Hardwick drank three Juice Forsyths. They tasted like the gummy sweets she used to eat when she was little, before food got all weird for her. By the end of the evening, the ground wobbled when she stood up. Emma Mitchell, Deputy Public Relations Executive, said, Yeah, well done, Beth. When I was starting out, I wouldn't have kept on pushing my own ideas like that, so good for you for being so assertive. However, Emma Mitchell is just jealous because her idea was focusing the campaign around the fold-down meal trays. Beth Hardwick has never seen Emma Mitchell smile. All she talks about is how everyone should eat gluten-free and how her daughter Macy is so advanced for her age. In the interests of promoting the cooperative and supportive working environment Axel is known for, Beth Hardwick didn't say anything, but she thinks it's unhealthy to put so much pressure on a seven-year-old. When she has kids, she's not going to act like their grades are the most important thing about them. Rob wouldn't either. Rob says he rolls like a rolling stone. Rob would take the kids to the countryside and show them how to pitch a tent. Rob would be a really good dad. Rob will be. Rob Ryder unveils exciting holiday plans. Rob Ryder today revealed exciting plans for him and his girlfriend, Beth Hardwick, to climb Caithmore Fell in the Lake District. Rob described the plans as awesome and a dirty weekend. There'll be sheep shit at least. Beth Hardwick laughed and didn't need to mention the significance of the date, the two-year anniversary of their relationship. Although Rob also described Kate Morfell as a bit of a toughie, Google search reveals it doesn't seem too bad. Beth Hardwick didn't have much experience of hiking before she met Rob Ryder, but she's really got into it now, and her asthma has been a lot better recently, so she's confident she'll be able to keep up. Google search also shows that Kate Morfell is really beautiful. The hill is patches of green and brown, no houses or cars, and barely any trees. And you can see right across the mountains to the lake below and the big empty sky above. Given Rob Ryder's love of hiking, it seems like an optimal location for him to propose. Caithmore Fell would also provide an excellent backdrop for engagement photographs for Beth Hardwick's social media. Beth and Rob have been really open and honest with each other lately since they patched things up after the incident with Fiona. They're definitely ready to get married. In preparation, Beth Hardwick has begun to step up her diet and exercise, 
She wants to look really amazing in her wedding dress. Beth Hardwick finds a perfect new place to live. Beth Hardwick is pleased to announce her aspirational new residence. Finding a new place in London normally wears you down for weeks, so Beth was fortunate to be able to snap up a classically cozy room in an elegant post-war apartment. The wardrobe is the only furniture apart from the bed, but there's plenty of space for Beth's clothes. Beth's housemate, Rashawn, also seems lovely. She runs a spirituality group and Beth can hear them chanting in the living room every night. Although Beth is focusing on the future and moving on, she would also like to respond to the comments made by Rob Ryder before she left their shared apartment. First, Rob did not always say that the trip to Kate Morfell would be a group thing. He told Beth it would be the two of them, then changed his mind and said he'd invited some mates as well. He did not mention that one of the mates was Fiona until Beth saw her Facebook comment. Beth also strongly denies that she has ever been jealous and paranoid regarding Fiona. It is clearly not jealous to not want Fiona to go on the trip, given that four months ago Beth walked into the bathroom at Chris's Halloween party to see Rob and Fiona making out while he was dressed as Thor, and she was dressed as Arya Stark. Beth can still see Fiona's dagger-clenching hand wedged in Rob's blonde wig. Rob's own texts to Beth afterwards clearly prove she was right, as they include the phrases, so, so sorry, stupid drunken mistake, won't see her again if you don't want me to, and I love you, Bethy, please come home so we can talk. In conclusion, Beth Hardwick accepts that she and Rob Ryder wanted different things from the relationship and is happy with the new opportunities opening up in her life now that she's single again. Beth Hardwick embraces a new start in life. Surveys show that as many as 100% of UK adults report feeling sad or lonely after being dumped. Symptoms may include lying awake at night, thinking about things from your day to tell Rob, and then remembering, having to look away when you saw a man pushing a buggy, and having this constant hollow feeling like you're hungry, but you're not hungry. Luckily, Beth Hardwick has discovered the solution. The aftermath of a breakup is the perfect time to take up new hobbies and embrace personal growth. Beth started going for a bike ride after work once a week. It was really fun, so she started going twice a week. And now every day. She wants to keep up the exercise she got from hiking with Rob. It's good for her weight and it's a good distraction. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it releases endorphins. When she's sitting at her desk sometimes, she thinks about the pedals going round and round under her feet. Beth also went into one of those boutique pop-up stores she can't really afford and bought a long purple dress, even though she never wears anything purple, and she is thinking about writing poetry again. Although Beth is currently focusing on herself and enjoying being single, she had a good talk at lunch yesterday with a man who came up to her table and introduced himself as Andy from Engineering. His head was shaven, but it made his eyes look bigger and more vulnerable. He told Beth she should listen to Alt-J. He made funny jokes like, Why aren't you eating your salad? Scared you're going to turn into a rabbit? And so it was you who came up with the eco-bullshit for the new make. Nice! Beth Hardwick's statement in response to remarks made by Marion Hardwick on Skype last night. In response to Marion's well-meaning but misguided comments, Beth said, I would like to reassure my mother that I am perfectly fine. I'm exercising more because it's good for me. I'm still eating normally. 
As to her observation that I look too thin, I can't comment on that since I don't weigh myself anymore. Dr. Dalal said not to. Regarding the links about exercise bulimia mom sent me, I know she means well, but she needs to stop worrying. It's not like I'm purging again. I've just taken up cycling for God's sake. I'm not some silly teenager anymore. I'm recovered from how I was. Mom doesn't need to worry. I know it was really hard for her having her husband leave and her daughter have to go to an eating disorder hospital and I'm not going to put her through that again. Latest figures regarding Beth Hardwick's weight. Beth Hardwick is pleased to report the following weight loss productivity figures. Week beginning 3rd of February, 60 kilograms, 14 hours of exercise. Beth Hardwick opens Facebook and sees Rob and Fiona at the peak of Kate Morfell their arms around each other's shoulders like can-can dancers. Week beginning 10th of February, 59 kilograms, 16 hours of exercise. Beth Hardwick is afraid to turn on her phone because whenever she does, there's another missed call from her mother. Week beginning 17th of February, 60 kilograms, 16 hours of exercise. The weight gain can be attributed to Rashawn's quinoa porridge, so Beth's going to skip breakfast in the future. Beth Hardwick reads more diet and exercise tips on her computer instead of thinking of ideas for the new brand. She keeps her eyes off the sidebar with the new stories. Even then, she can't stop them appearing in her peripheral vision. Fires spreading, waters rising, cities choked by smog. Week beginning 24th of February, 58 kilograms, 15 hours of exercise. The reduced exercise rate is because when Beth reached the point on her route where the cycle path ends and she has to cross the main road, a bus came, wobbled up next to her, and her chest tightened like a net closing around fish. Even when you're not breathing, you can still quickly hop off your bike and wrestle it to the pavement and get out your inhaler. And when you're standing on the verge with traffic rowing past and oxygen coming back into your lungs and you're shaking, slowing, even though you should, you can't bring yourself to get back on the bike and meet your exercise target for the day. Axel responds to Axel eco-critics. The Axel communications team met today to discuss the recent allegations about the Axel eco from the charity Earth's Trust. Kara O'Neill said, Christ, all right. We've got to hit back on this. The statement we've put out isn't enough. Emma Mitchell said, why? It'll be out of the news by tomorrow. Beth Hardwick thought about the new looseness under the waistband of her skirt. Kara said, have you spoken to sales? Is this going to hit them? Emma said, why sales? What about tech? How could they get the emission so wrong? Kara said, well, they didn't exactly get them wrong, did they? It's just the testing they used. Emma said, that's good. We can use that. We use the industry standard testing and we're completely transparent. Kara said, I don't know. It sounds a bit. Beth Hardwick imagined weighing herself when she got home. Stepping onto the scales feels like looking over the edge of the diving board. She decided to skip lunch just in case. The protesters rumbled in the streets below. Emma said, Christ, are they still here? This eco-shit is out of control. Macy and some of her friends have been trying to go on strike. All the parents had to go to a meeting with the head teacher. It was so embarrassing. She never gets into trouble, and now she wants to bunk off. Beth Hardwick imagined her feet sinking and rising on the pedals of a bike, the wheel whispering as it glided down the bicycle path, every pedal melting a few grams of fat off her body. Emma said, you want to jump in there, Beth, since this whole disaster is your fault? 
I mean, Beth? Beth Hardwick started and opened her mouth, hoping she'd know what to say, but nothing came out but breath. Hi, Mom. I got your message. Sorry for not calling. I'm okay. I'm not at home. I drove up to Caithmore Fell. It's pretty dark. I guess it wouldn't be good for the engagement photos. Ha <laughs> ha. I don't think I have my inhaler. You can see the stars here. There's hundreds of them above my head and reflected in the lake below me. It's not really dark at all. First thoughts and impressions. <laughs> um, I really, really liked the press, press release format. I thought it was a really smart and interesting style choice because yeah. obviously it's kind of different from most short stories that you see and it's mm -hmm. immediately recognizable as a press release. Like that voice felt very familiar to me. Um, so I completely like immediately got what, what this was meant to look like and what this was imitating um, mm -hmm. in a way that didn't kind of, I guess didn't jar me, but at the same time did surprise me, which I think is quite a difficult thing to do for a short story to be surprising, but also not kind of off-putting or, you know, going so far into form that you kind of lose the content or the substance of the story. And I think it, I thought it was really well done the way that the plot kind of slowly develops through these press releases, mm -hmm. especially in the first half of the, sto of the story. I think like it was actually moving along pretty fast, even though there was obviously all of this kind of like corporate kind of double speak and stuff about this car and this promotional campaign, which clearly isn't the real meat of the story, but it didn't feel, I guess it felt very natural that this, this slowly unfolding personality of this woman, Beth, couched inside all of this kind of corporate speak and press release jargon. I thought that it, it was, it did a good job of balancing between keeping the form true to what a press release reads like but at the same time giving me enough information even in the first press release that I kind of care about this character and know yeah. who she is yeah mm -hmm. I agree I also really loved the conceit and I thought it was it was really well done and I also having spent some kind of some time in the marketing minds like, <laughs> it felt very familiar and also I really thought that it meshed very well with that the kind of dry humor of this story and of this narrator's voice like I thought it was a form that really like as Anj said like the the form felt like it was so integral to the kind of the plot and the voice and the character and it didn't feel like it was a kind of gimmicky idea it really actually felt like it was showing us something about her which mm -hmm. I really admired and that's really really hard to do but yeah I really liked all the I felt the kind of like the corporate speak with this sort of like dry tone this this kind of dry twist worked really well and it was just very I mean again especially the first half was very funny um and I thought that kind of twisting that that marketing news speak was a was a really smart way of bringing across that humor and that character yeah what about you Erin yeah, I agree with that. I really liked the press release format and I, I thought it was a really good way to um, kind of drip feed these little details throughout and she did a very good job of just dropping in these little things like, um, you know, she first mentions this idea that then Beth, before she got weird about food or something and it was just mm -hmm. this little sentence in there that told us so much and then later she said before the incident with Fiona, and already you have all these backstories forming in your mind. And I thought that that was really, really well done. Mm -hmm. There's a few places where I wonder if she's stuck to this conceit as strictly in other places. There's a couple of moments where she moves away from it a little bit. 
And I think maybe that needs to be done with care because you don't want to accidentally move away from it. You want it to be a very deliberate thing when you decide mm -hmm. to move away from the format. More in the second half as we start to get into trying to resolve a little bit some of the story threads. Do you want to go into it now or do you? I mean, I agree with everything you guys said. I, I feel like the strength in this story is the format as well. I was also very taken by it. And I think it really strengthens the voice. It makes it really, you know, like fast paced, this consistent, um, quite dynamic tone that it has. But mm -hmm. I think I also agree that there were parts where she veered away. And I'm curious about which ones you thought were doing that, Erin. The two that I kind of, that jumps out to me the most, one was in the, the one entitled Beth Hardwick Embraces a New Start in Life. And in about the sort of third, fourth paragraph down, Beth started going for a bike ride after work once a week. It was really fun. So she started going twice a week. It feels like suddenly we've gone from that press release tone maybe into a more mm -hmm. simple past tense. Um, and I think that you could still keep it up there, um, you know, mm -hmm. It, it could still be told to us as if this is news that's being reported on. And then the other one is, it's still a sort of a newsy format, but that last one there, latest figures regarding Beth Hardwick's weight. There's, there's a dual thing happening there where we get the week beginning 3rd February and we get an update on the weight and the hours of exercise. And then we just get this italicized sentence that tells us about... Um, what she's been doing to kind of trigger this behavior in her, I guess. And it's not quite a live news stream format. It's not quite a press release. I'm not sure if it's one thing or the other. And maybe there it could, again, could feel more like, if it's not going to be a strict press release, it could feel more like a live news report or something like that, like where you get the news live stream to you. That's an interesting idea of like, kind of playing with a different format of, of telling the news but still not because yeah I think that was also my problem with it is that it did feel like the conceit began to kind of crumble a little bit like there were those italic bits there's also the section at the end of um, the press release you just mentioned where it kind of suddenly switches into second person and it says even when you're not breathing you can still quickly hop mm. off your bike um, and then there is a, the, the kind of finale with those italics. Um, and yeah. I think maybe we should talk about the ending in more depth later. But <laughs> just in general, like, I, I kind of think the problem with, with something like this is that if you have such a strong conceit, I really want to see you committing to it, like, throughout. And so I kind of wondered if there was a way to get across the information and the, like, the drama and the mood changes um, of the piece without breaking from that press release format. Because otherwise... I think the problem is when you have a conceit like this, you're basically asking the reader to trust you and to believe in the conceit and to believe in what you can do with the conceit. And when you start to break it, then you're kind of basically admitting that actually you can't do everything that you want to do with the conceit. And so I think it sort of slightly erodes that authorial trust that's so important with a short story. Yeah, I think I felt similarly. And I think from the first half of the story, it felt very much like a story about someone who is lying to themselves and also kind of projecting a very specific facade mm -hmm. of their own voice and their own feelings, which really resonated really well with this press release format. And I think that was that's kind of the most interesting thing about the story is these lies this woman is kind of telling about herself and like the thoughts that are going through her head that are, that are like trying to keep things breezy and bright and optimistic, even when there's these sort of 
sinister little lines dropped in where, where she mentions kind of that weird stuff with food or like that incident with fear in a way you're like oh clearly there's a lot going on under the surface that I don't know about but I have to as a reader kind of do the work of picking these things out through the press releases and then I think in the second half you start kind of getting it fed to you more explicitly and getting right. more of a kind of dump about like what is going on behind the scenes and actually as a reader it's less satisfying because you're kind yeah. of enjoying picking these things out mm. and then suddenly you have yeah you're, you're kind of just being told everything and yeah this is kind of like t- ties into the ending as well I think um rather than kind of leaving the reader guessing or trying to figure out exactly what is going on under all this kind of like double speak and corporate talk and press releasey stuff it just kind of tells you I guess mm. mm-hmm. that's such a great point yeah because you're right I think when you start a story you kind of you're kind of looking for the map to read the story mm-hmm. and then once you find the key then you want to stick to it and mm-hmm. it's distracting to have to change it midway behind yeah, it I think it's possible to kind of change midway in a short story if that's kind of like what your goal is setting out to do but I think in this story in particular it just felt like a, I, I felt like a commitment to the form would be more convincing or more compelling mm-hmm. yeah I agree what about um yeah go ahead no it's, no no it's not important go ahead <laughs> sorry <laughs> Well, I was just wondering, I was actually just going to skip to the um, the EcoWise um, title in quotation marks, because that kind of also confused me. And since you were just talking about the ending, and I was also wondering about the beginning, because it starts mm. with the name of the campaign, and then it just kind of moves around a little bit, then it comes back to the campaign. And I was wondering if all what you guys thought about the story beginning with that. Yeah, I thought it could have been a slightly hookier beginning. Like I think uh, the moment where I really kind of leaned into this story was the the moment when you suddenly realize, okay, it's not just a press release, which is mm-hmm. basically like the fourth paragraph where it's you have Cara buying everyone drinks at a bar that used to be a boxing gym. And you're suddenly like, oh, okay, hang on, something is going on here. And I wonder if there would be, on the one hand, I, I understand the kind of problem here because I think, part of what works so well is that it isn't a press release so you kind of have to establish the press release form in order to subvert it Mm. I wonder if there would be a way to kind of hint a little bit more at the fact that there's something more interesting than a press release going on here and I would try and do that in the headline because I think the rest of the story does really fun things with headlines so I wonder if you could also and also because uh Aku, Asu, how are we? I want to say Axel. Axel. <laughs> this, this company, I mean, I the headline, because it's the first headline, it sort of centers the company as though that is the protagonist, right? Yeah. And yeah. I would use Beth's name in the in the first headline. Like I would I would say like Beth Hardwick, like I, I don't know, I can't do this, but like does a win or something like that. I mean, like maybe even the second line of the story could become the new headline. I feel like that would even be making a bit of a yeah. Uh, yeah I mean that that's true exactly that describes everything that's going to happen there right Beth Hardwick is delighted to announce the launch of a promotion idea for Axel Motors latest model it's a great headline and it kind of has this emotional pull to it as well Mm -hmm. she's yeah she's thrilled you know in this new job of like she she has everything under control basically and that control crumbles throughout the rest of the story what do you think, Aaron, about the beginning? 
I, I think that's a great suggestion to to make that first headline work harder. It can set up the idea of the press release, but also set up the character and, and the story a little bit more. So I think that that is, is a really good idea, whether it's that first line of the story or something else that like sticks a little bit more to the headliney kind of nature. I think that that could be really good because um, I like that we start with the car launch and we come back to it. It gives this nice kind of circular form to the story. Um, but yeah, it doesn't need to be the first thing we read. And I also had this note about how am we supposed to pronounce this car company? <laughs> it's the first word and I'm stumbling on it already. I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's like this kind of unintelligible corporate uh, vocabulary where it's like, how are you even supposed to say that? <laughs> like, I thought that was quite true to a lot of practice. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> For me, it was just Axel motors but I guess it's because I always just read it like it is and I don't even question <laughs> whether it's pronounced correctly or not yeah but, it didn't bother me until we yeah. started talking about it out loud. <laughs> I can't pronounce anything so I think I, I live in constant fear that I'm going to mispronounce a word because I just do it three or four times a day so <laughs> I'm very wary whenever I see a new word <laughs> I mean, that could also very well be a tool in this story, people mispronouncing it or just pronouncing it in different ways. To, sure. But yeah, that could maybe the other story in a different direction. I think that the other tool that she maybe doesn't then use again in the story is the hashtag in, in the first mm. press release. Mm -hmm. We've got a hashtag mm -hmm. in the headline. And um, if she were going to play with a couple of different forms, I wouldn't mind seeing some hashtags throughout some of these press releases or, you know, I feel like that that's could be quite, um, quite a nice way to just drop in a little thought or a little word. It could be quite funny. I really like that. I feel like, especially in this one, we were talking about the latest figures regarding Beth Hardwick's weight, which is a lot about how she's cycling more mm -hmm. in a way that's becoming unhealthy. If it was like, she cycled three hours today, hashtag eco-wise. Like, I feel like that would yeah. be really effective. That's so true. Yeah. It's kind of already built into the story. Yeah, I agree. That would be a great tool to use. What did you guys think about the whole curve of the relationship then in terms of like the romantic and the breakup elements of it? How did that, how was that balanced out? I liked it. I thought the, the relationship breakdown worked for me and I especially liked this sort of I mean I feel like you know this guy is bad news like the moment he, <laughs> he appears yeah. I think when it was like when he was a rolling stone I was like oh I bet you are you <laughs> bastard like, um, and then I really liked the 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 big setup of the expected proposal and then the immediately afterwards the kind of moving out and finding a new place sort of thing I thought that worked really well um I have to say I wasn't entirely convinced by Beth's breakdown um, because I felt that the way it played out and that the way the heartbreak of the story played out was entirely about this this eating disorder or this disordered eating or the exercise um, and the weight obsession and I thought that what I really liked about the the beginning and the first half is that we were kind of seeing how her relationship to food and her relationship to exercise kind of created this character and was part of this character. Whereas in the second half, I kind of felt like it just became the, 
the disordered eating and exercise and there wasn't there wasn't, there wasn't a connection yeah like I lost the the sense of her character in there like it, it, and I, I do think you could kind of say that that does sort of echo the experience of having an eating disorder and it does echo the experience of becoming obsessed with something in a really damaging way but I did I felt like it was a missed opportunity to kind of you know like it didn't seem like her weight wasn't really about her or about her her heartbreak or about her anxiety or loneliness or, or whatever it was it was just about the weight and I felt like I kind of lost the sense of the character as a result mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and even kind of I feel, I feel like it left a lot of questions like what did what did her eating disorder issues have to do with her relationship mm-hmm. how did they affect the way that she related to this guy Rob and what like what role did that have to play in the breakup um and I feel like there was a lot of kind of unexplored territory because instead it just kind of goes very hard into kind of exercise routines and the mm-hmm. I guess yeah the, without much I feel like there's a lack of connection between that and everything we already know about Beth yeah it felt and like, like it was... why is she working in marketing and what is that what what effect does that have on her weight like these these kind of characters you get introduced in the first press release she's clearly not best friends with and like yeah I think they appear again when she's in kind of having another like kind of external issue brought down on her but they don't really appear in her internal life as she's going through this breakdown they sort of disappear for a bit and then come back when it's kind of convenient as the last push for her yeah mm-hmm. it was like it was all mm-hmm. the facts of the of the like the weight and the food and the exercise it was like all of those facts and nothing that was actually going on behind it because those they they don't exist in a you know in a vacuum and I kind of wanted to like I I feel like it's very easy to kind of bring across this sense of an eating disorder or a sense of somebody who's exercising in a really unhealthy way um but what's more kind of interesting and nuanced and challenging to me is like the the mental state, like what's actually going on with her? And is there a way to kind of show that? And how does that fit in with the rest of her life that she's living? Um, and I think you do get elements of that, especially with, um, I think there's a section of a conversation with her sister. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of more interested in that. Mm-hmm. And I would have wanted to see more of it. It would be easy to go through and put in a little bit more of, mm-hmm. yeah, how how this has set her spiraling back into trying to control something. Maybe she's losing the sense of control in her relationship and at work, and this is something she can control or, you know, like I feel like she could drop in these little hints along the way. I think Um, it wouldn't take a huge amount of editing also to kind of, yeah, like you say, to, to get all of that in there. It's not a huge task. Yeah. It's not a rewrite. It's sort of just like adding to it, Mm. I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel for me as well, I guess it was that that was what was kind of missing because I see that she has the like the core of the story is all there for me. She has all of the different elements spread out kind of evenly. You know, she starts with the campaign and the campaign comes back, even though they go, even though the story goes deeper into her feelings, then towards the end it comes back. But it's true. Like I wanted to know more about what is the relationship between her and the campaign how did that affect her emotionally and it's also a very emotional thing you know I find the relationship with work and your idea of success um, to be a huge weight so it could very well be connected to her eating disorder on top of the fact that she got her heart broken by this douchebag mm. I wanted to be able to dig in a little bit deeper because I can totally relate to it I, I can definitely 
see it affecting her emotionally. But also that sense of like, again, it comes back to the conceit, right? And by, by turning the whole story into the form of a kind of play on work and a play on a corporate product, mm-hmm. then you're implicitly saying also that this work is important. And so I think it's it's true that it can't fade away. And it, it's if it's important enough to be the kind of whole form of the story, mm-hmm. then I feel like it has to stay important enough to, to be within the actual plot as well. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you guys were talking about the ending before. What is it that you wanted to say that was mentioned a few times? I'm curious about how you want to handle that. I think we're also curious about, I feel like we should do a round table first and like work out what everyone thought happened. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. What's the implication? (laughs) I thought it was a suicide. That's what I thought too. I thought she was okay. kind of really going there to put herself in an unsafe situation with the intention of killing herself. That that was the impression that I immediately got. Yeah, I I actually felt the same when I read it the first time. I'm like, whoa, that sounds really dark. And then I started wondering if I had read it wrong. This is the other mm. thing that it sounds very uncertain. It didn't leave it completely clear to me. What about you, Erin? Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt she was not safe and and I didn't think it was necessarily deliberate, but it also wasn't necessarily not, you know, like Mm -hmm. she's very clearly always has her inhaler with her. We've seen her on the bike using it and whatever. It's mentioned a couple of times. And then for her suddenly to not have it, but at the same time, she's not exercising. She's in, she's driven up. So maybe she forgot to bring it. It could be possible, but she sounds very disorientated. She sounds Mm -hmm. very unhappy. Um, She sounds a little bit uh, not clear headed. So it's also possible that she kind of accidentally on purpose forgot to have it with her knowing she would have a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if I felt like she definitely would die as a result of this misadventure or whether it's just kind of a big crisis moment for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think there was something about the, the, the final, the final three sentences that are kind of like the stars and the dark um, and like the, the reflection of the lake and this kind of like sinking into nature or sinking into this darkness that felt very, deathy to me um full of death because I feel like my my edit that I would have had for this ending was that it was way too concrete and it needed to be more ambiguous so it's kind of interesting that for you guys it already was quite ambiguous and wasn't clear because that's kind of clearly something I'm bringing into it but I think that it also has to do with the complete arc of the story as well because that wasn't it wasn't clear to me whether she was I mean, she obviously she's obviously heartbroken about the guy. I mean, who wouldn't? It, also, there's this this quality about that relationship where it's not only my heart got broken, but rather, how could I be too, so stupid to fall in love for fall in love with a guy like this? You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of what I got from it. But once again, the whole campaign was very. Um, superficial to me I didn't know how that it goes back to that emotional link how did that affect how did everything crumble for her it didn't feel like it crumbled to that 
point for, for her to commit suicide because of all of this happening together. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I wasn't sure how much of it was meant. Yeah, I was I was having trouble weighting it all against each other. Like, is it the is it yeah. the heartbreak? Is it that this eating disorder has kind of spiraled out of control? Mm-hmm. Is it the campaign? Yeah, because it kind of felt like there were, I think, again, like it was like there were a lot of causes and yet there was no real kind of or like there wasn't enough for me interrogation behind those causes and like there wasn't enough reflection on what those causes were actually doing yeah like a connecting thread between Mm -hmm. all of them that also led to a kind of satisfying sense of okay I understand what what she's going to do and I think you can have an ambiguous ending and obviously lots of really wonderful short stories have ambiguous endings but I think you want it to be deliberately ambiguous and not that your reader is just a bit baffled. Yeah, it felt kind of blindsiding almost, just kind of, but, but not in a way where it's like, oh, what a smart twist. I, like, I think you can blindside a reader by putting in all of these little clues that the reader isn't sure what they're going to add up to or, you know, kind of like putting in clever foreshadowing where this I felt just kind of came out of nowhere. And when I read back over it like two or three times, it still felt like it was coming out of nowhere. Also, the lack of, a, I mean, it changes the the style at the end because it doesn't have a title either. It's just a text yeah. message, right? So I would have really loved to see, I mean, yeah, I think I've already mentioned that I wanted it to stay true to the form. But I think especially for the ending, I would have really loved to see her land an ending in the in the PR form. I have to say, like, in some ways, my if, if I could only suggest one edit for this whole story, I would just cut the italicized section at the end. And I think even the line that the like penultimate section of the last press release ends on is actually a really nice, beautiful line. The Beth Hardwick stare started and opened her mouth, hoping she'd know what to say, but nothing came out but breath. Mm-hmm. It's both like a really nice ending to the story in terms of like a beautiful piece of writing, but it's also kind of plays into this whole idea that Beth is kind of talking, kind of gabbling this like corporate jargon to cover up the fact that she doesn't want to talk about herself or that there's these issues mm-hmm. going on in her life. And then finally, at the end, everything's kind of been drained out to the, to, out of her to the point where the only thing left is breath. And I feel like that to me feels like enough of a resolution and enough of an ending. Like, I think I don't need to know yeah. what happens after that. I, I like, I feel like I've seen this woman's breakdown and it, it doesn't need mm-hmm. any kind of like, then she goes to hospital or then she goes home. Mm-hmm. I would just end it like that. That's a good point. I would, I would yeah. think I would have been more satisfied with that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a really strong line. You're right. And it gives us all this sense of this woman who's lost her sense of self and mm. can't even concentrate in a work meeting that she used to care about anymore because she's so obsessed with, with thinking about her weight and she's lost all of her spin and her ability to, to, put these words around situations. I think that would be a perfect ending line, actually. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? When, when in short stories, sometimes I think, I, I mean, I do it myself and you want to just end the story and you want it to end in this emotional, like you, you try to describe the emotion. So you keep, the, yeah, you try to extend <laughs> it a little bit and it's really just an action from the character that gets across sometimes. I think that happens a lot with beginnings and endings. Like I have a, a friend who's a writer, um, Yale Vanderwooden, who um, said that often when she's writing a short story, 
she knows she's kind of got it when she looks back up at the first page and she's like, oh, I should just delete the first three paragraphs because the the beginning actually starts about halfway down the page. (laughs) And I think that like that happens a lot, especially with with beginnings and endings where you kind of feel like you have to tell more than you actually have to tell. Yeah. yeah. That's also quite a fun edit to do because there's no work in it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So satisfying. Yeah, it's great. I love to cut. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Our music and artwork are by the talented Judy Moore. If you want to submit a story, send it to storystrumpets at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and read our submission guidelines on storystrumpets.wordpress.com. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to rate us on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I really like the juice force line in the first reference, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I've also written down Juice Forsyth. <laughs> I also just loved the the work colleague. Like it felt so like those kind of like slightly barbed little one-liners. Yeah. And, you know, like, you could see all the shifting drama and tensions of the workplace really well, which I think maybe is why I wanted more. Of it. Yeah, I think there's one where one of her colleagues was like, "I would never have pushed an idea like this when I was your age." Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Dark. I look forward to reading it when it's inevitably published somewhere.